today we have another crossover here on Locked On Nationals, and we are going to be previewing this weekend series against the Royals. And today I have Rylan Styles from Locked On Royals here to join me. We're going to get to everything about the Royals and the Nationals right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals and Locked On Royals your first listen every day. I'm Ryan Clary, and I am joined by Rylan Styles from Locked On Royals. Rylan, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing good. We're right here in the in the thick of things in baseball, and, and we're rocking and rolling, so I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too, my friend. And, of course, before people forget, the Nats and the Royals play tonight at 8.05 Eastern time. You can check out that game in every home game of the Royals and the Nationals over on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals or Royals for whichever fan you are a fan of, you could say. So, Ryland. We were talking about this a little bit earlier today. Both the Nationals and the Royals are both in kind of, well, we're more so in the beginning phases of a rebuild, you could say. But you guys are in the later stages of a rebuild right now. And obviously, I don't know if it has gone up to plan so far for you guys. But can you explain that to me a little bit and how everything has gone up to this point in your guys' rebuild? Yeah, so this is the stage of the rebuild where every team hopes that they don't hit uh, in their rebuild, actually, of of you've got these guys, you've drafted these guys, and on paper, they should be coming into form here, but they're just not. And 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 it, that kind of points to the fact that, hey, you probably missed some of these draft picks and you might need to restart. And in the middle of this rebuild, you've had to fire um, Dayton Moore and you've had to you know let him go and get a whole new regime in there from top to bottom. And so... You know, coming into this season, there was a lot of optimism because for everything that they've invested in pitching, like Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, Daniel Lynch, and the list goes on of who they, uh, of pitchers that they've invested into the draft, uh, everyone kind of casted their bad performances, myself included, on the old pitching coach. Well, they got a new pitching coach. Then Mike Matheny was a target of like, hey, he's not he's not the right guy for a young ball club. Got him out of there, hired a guy from the Rays, which is the forward-thinking organization. That seemed to be incredible. And then you turn to Dayton Moore, who, who is someone who's living off of those two postseason runs that hasn't really produced much of anything besides a solid bullpen each year. But other than that, he's had way more losing seasons than winning seasons. He's out of there. And so this offseason felt like the first step inside of a new era of Royals baseball and Mr. Sherman, the new owner of the Royals, it felt like his first year truly owning the team since he bought it during the pandemic and everything that followed that. And then you get to the actual season and a lineup that features Nick Prado, Vinny Pascantino, MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., Salvador Perez, Mike Massey, Michael Garcia got called up. Like a lineup that features a lot of your talented prospects or, or, or in Salvi's case, a veteran, but most of them talented prospects mm-hmm. who you, who you've banked a lot on 
And this team cannot hit. This team cannot pitch. This team cannot win games. And they're just not competitive. And I think that this is the point in the rebuild where now you start to have to question, okay, is it time to just start all the way back over, even though this group has not done anything significant yet? Is this just a failed rebuild of a rebuild? And so that's kind of where you're at in Kansas City, where no one wanted them to be competitive in the sense of go make the playoffs this year. That was not anyone's dream. But they wanted them to be competitive in the sense of, yeah, you might lose 90 games, 85 games, 80 games, 75 games, whatever that marker is for you. But all those losses are going to be watchable. They're going to be fun. They're going to be, you want to be there. You want to grow with this team and kind of be embraced by this team. But yet more often than not, you sit down and it's like a chore to watch this team because they're so bad and there's so few bright spots and, and they just don't have anyone clicking. And if the bats do click one night, the, the pitching staff is just abused. And if the pitching staff is on fire one night, the bats are batting, you know, a buck 50. Like, so like there's just, they're in that, that ground of what's going on. Like there's just in that ground of, of uncertainty where yes, they're losing games, but there's nothing you can point to to say that this is why they're losing games except for the whole team. And like, it can't be the whole team's fault. You can't, you can't get 26 new guys. So what's going on? Like, what do you need to improve upon? But you have the guys in place that you want to have in place. You, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to cut Bobby Witt Jr.? Of course not. Are you going to, are you going to DFA MJ Melendez? Of course not. But what's the answer? You've got a new coaching staff. You've got a new front office. Where do you go from here? And so that uncertainty in the rebuild is where some teams get to and no one wants to be at. You, you hope that you can just kind of skip over this stage and get to the other side of a rebuild pretty swiftly. And so with, with Kansas City, I would say that the rebuild is in uncertainty right now. Yeah, you know what? The Royals sit at 15 and 36 right now. And Bobby Witt Jr. has a 227, 294, 428 slash line, which is not amazing. It's a 666 OPS so far on the season. And he's still a young guy. I still love the prospect of what he is. I love the talent of what just what he can provide. He's got power. He can play the field and obviously plays a really flashy shortstop position, which I love from Bobby Witt. But I think with Nationals fans, hearing what you were just saying really just kind of makes me happy that we have Mike Rizzo in place here at the president of baseball operations because he has been our rock. He has been with the Nationals since the late 2000s. He got in here. He drafted Bryce Harper. Easy one to do. Steven Strasburg as well. Pretty easy to do. Anthony Rendon. All these guys that molded the foundation for the 2019 World Series champions. Mike Rizzo drafted them. Or he signed Mike Rizzo. Or not Mike Rizzo. He signed Juan Soto. He signed Victor Robles. All these key pieces to the Nationals that we know now. Also, we traded them away. But there's some sustainability here with the Nationals. We know what Mike Rizzo can do. And I think, as you were saying, the Royals just haven't been as fun of a watch this year in this rebuild. The Nationals have been quite the opposite. I mean, yesterday, we had a wild game against the San Diego Padres. And we were down 5-1. to We come back. And then we lose the lead again in the ninth inning. Those kind of things happen with this Nationals team. But again, it's fun. Like, we enjoy watching C.J. Abrams. We enjoy watching Mackenzie Gore out there and throw. We enjoy watching Kiber Ruiz behind the dish. That's just something that the Royals haven't really been able to put together up to this point because, in my mind, they haven't made the postseason since, what, 2015, I believe? Yep, that's right. And so, uh, like, that's tough. Like, I mean, you guys have been in a rebuild, I would say, since 2017 was when you guys really committed to it, I would say. Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and to your credit too, to, as more fuel to the fire for Nats fans, Dayton Moore never knew when to let go. And so like he kept a lot of these guys post post their prime because of the emotion factor and and he didn't get the best prospects in return on the trade market or or even get the trade guys like Lorenzo Cain. They just walked for free. Eric Hosmer walked for free. Didn't get to trade those guys because of the family-oriented and, and, and emotional aspect of baseball. He didn't have that in him to trade them. And so you just let these guys go for free to sign these mega deals that you had no chance of signing. And it sets you your back a little bit in your franchise. And then even last year, I mean, they, they kept around Whit Merrifield for four years uh, on a non-competitive 100 lost teams when he was actually playing really well and teams really wanted him. And then last year's the year that they trade him whenever he was unvaccinated and had the worst year statistically of his career in every category, offense and defense. And that's when you trade him, you get nothing in return form of substance and you move on. So like the bad trades too factor into this as well. And that's where the, the, the nationals I think have cleaned up with getting Gore, getting CJ in those, in those trades where you give away Josh Bell and, and Juan Soto and kind of getting on the other side of that. You've got to know when to let go and know how to draft. And that's just two things that, the previous Royals regime at least did not know how to do and the Nationals do. Yeah, you know what? Like a lot of Nationals fans are still upset of obviously they should be because like, I mean, I say this, maybe I'm a little biased, but over the last decade or so, I think in baseball, there's really a tough, this is a really tough argument to be made, but I think the Nationals were the ones that created the most superstars in their system. You created Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, Juan Soto, I mean, Anthony Rendon. Those are five guys right there. Those are household names. And the Nationals and Mike Rizzo, he was here for that. He developed those guys under his watch. And so now that we still have him, and we're already starting to see these trades come through, like Mackenzie Gore is out there throwing quality starts who will be pitching against the Royals this weekend. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. But also you got C.J. Abrams, who's been up and down. But again, I've made this point time and time again. If we drafted him, he would still be in AAA. He was rushed up for the Padres, as you know, Ryland. I mean, it's the Padres were in win-now mode. Tatis was out in the first half of the season. They needed someone to step in, replace him, and play really well. C.J. Abrams didn't really do that. But you're starting to see the power from him. You're starting to see it click for him at a time that, we really need it to click from C.J. Abrams. But we're going to get more into what to know about the Royals and the Nationals just because, you know, there are some names on both these teams. We don't get to watch this team every night. I mean, I don't watch the Royals, and I'm sure you don't watch the Nationals every single night just, just on the same side of that. So we're going to get to know some of these guys. But before we get into that, Let's tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. And guys, I'm wearing my Bird Dogs pants right now, and I cannot tell you how comfortable they are. I look better and feel great wearing Bird Dogs, and their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great, and they're comfier than my other shorts and pants. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts and pants on the golf course, to a meeting, a date, or hanging out with friends. Famous comedian Burt Kreischer wakes up at his lake house wearing bird dogs, goes for a swim, smokes a cigar, grills burgers, and chills with his family, all in the shorts he associates with the summer bird dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. 
And now we get back into it as we are previewing this Royals National Series. So, Ryland, can you tell me about some Royals that we may not know about? Who's going to impact this series and tell me why? So I think that Michael Garcia is going to be the first name I want to bring to the table uh, as a guy who, like, Royals fans are very excited, but he didn't get the necessary hype that, like, Bobby Witt Jr. did, or, like, everyone knows who Bobby Witt Jr. is. Everyone knows that he's, like, he was supposed to be the best prospect of that that amazing class that had Rushman and all these other guys. Mm -hmm. But Michael Garcia, uh, he got called up this year, and, and he's been one of the best hitters for the Royals, both statistically and also just watching him play. Like he, he's batting uh, 290, he's batting 279 uh, average and, and an, o, an OBP of 346 and a slugging of 368. But the, the numbers pass the eye test, and it's usually said that the other way around kind of. But when you watch Miguel Garcia, you're going to be kind of relieved to see there actually is someone on the Rose lineup that can take in that bat and can, and can be a professional hitter and, and work at, work in that bat and not just give away strikes, not just be someone who rolls over for your pitching staff. And Michael Garcia, I think has been really impressive um, both at the plate where he succeeded and also as a steady hand in the infield for Kansas city. Uh, and also, you know, playing all around the diamond a little bit for Kansas city. And then Vinny Pascantino is another name that uh, I think that he needs to get, more recognition for what he's been able to do. He came up last year uh, and, and had a nice uh, season after he was called up and, and, and got more routine playing time uh, this season. He's another guy like Garcia that can actually have a good approach in the modern era of baseball to uh, uh, the plate, and he's able to not strike out a whole lot while also producing at the plate, getting on base, and, and at that first base position, it's incredibly valuable. He, he's gone through stretches this year where he was the best hitting first baseman uh, there is, both statistically and in fantasy and everything else. So Vinny Pascantino can get hot, and, and he can really burn you for a series. He can go uh, you know, in a three-game set and have a two, two, three for four days and a, and a quality one, one for four with a walk or something like that you know, against you. So he can actually have uh, a lot, a lot uh, to impact these, these games for Kansas City and in the the Nationals. Of course, Salvador Perez, everyone knows uh, about Salvi and what he brings, but he's still hitting home runs. So, you know, a young pitching staff in Washington might not want to leave anything uh, high, which is where he likes them, um, and really even high and outside where he likes them and then kind of too high uh, up there in his wheelhouse. And then you get down to the two guys that I think that national fans know their names, but might not know um, kind of much about how they've done in the big leagues, and that's Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez. Bobby Witt Jr. just – He's an interesting guy to watch play because you understand and have read and have heard and have just consumed all this information about how good he is and how good he should be and how, and how good he's going to be. Um, but at the end of the day, he has not put any of that onto the field yet, except for in very small doses. Like, like he's been a guy that has not drawn a ton of walks. However, he could lead off the next game with a walk that turns into a triple as he didn't, as he did against Chicago where he walks to lead off the game, steals second, steals third. Now you get a guy on third with nobody out. Like he can do those sort of things that make you think, okay, that's, that's what people see in him. That's kind of what people are looking for whenever they evaluate him and, and call him as, you know, call him one of the best uh, prospects in the game or call him one of the best players um, young and coming in the game. Uh, and then defensively, same sort of thing as offense. We're like offensively. Yeah. He has some good at bats, but he also like looks foolish sometimes up there defensively he can just fly and he can just fly around go to the go to the outfield grass make a diving play go to his backhand and make a throw across the diamond that you have no idea how he did it but then he can get one right to him and just completely botch it and like not look like a professional shortstop at all and so he's kind of struggled defensively with he has all the tools like whenever you're talking out about his game his speed and his athleticism he has all the tools to play shortstop 
But for some reason, he can only make the flashy play. He can't just make the routine, okay, everybody makes this play, just settle in here and make the throw. Uh, and, and so he's got to work that out of a system too as a young shortstop. And so if, if there's a rollover at the short, don't just give up on the TV and stop watching it because he, he might actually make things interesting for your Nationals hitter. Uh, and then Mike Massey, he got hot last weekend. Uh, he got hot and it was partly because he was back home in Chicago and also he just got engaged. Like we always know in baseball, we love to kind of qualify all these hot streaks with like something in their life <laughs> event, but he did get engaged. So maybe he's got that engaged power now, Ryan. So watch out for, uh, for Massey as well. So that's kind of the lineup for Kansas city of what to expect uh, whenever you watch him play this weekend. You know, you bring up Bobby Witt Jr. and the flashiness. And, and we have a flashy shortstop as well who is young, just like Bobby Witt Jr. And you kind of nailed it on the head there. C.J. Abrams is kind of in the same area as Bobby Witt Jr. Not as far as stardom goes or notoriety goes. Bobby Witt Jr. is a step up when it comes to that. But C.J. Abrams, he makes the flashy plays. But at times, and I think this is just kind of what it is with a young developing shortstop in the big leagues. It's not going to click right away. For some reason, they cannot make these easy plays. And I've seen that with C.J. Abrams as well this year. As we've seen him boot some balls. He's thrown some balls. He's short some balls over to Dominic Smith over at first base. And you're going to see the value that Dominic Smith holds over at first base because we have a very young middle infield, both 22 years old, Luis Garcia, C.J. Abrams. They're very good. They're very talented up in the middle. You're going to see a lot of really nice plays. But both those guys are still young. They really short arm the throws over the first base. Dominic Smith has been a machine over there, and he was a first-round pick out of high school as a first baseman, which is pretty rare, especially coming out of the high school field. And I believe he came out of California back in the day. But that just kind of goes to show you the value that Dominic Smith brings defensively. He was a name that we all heard of back with the New York Mets pre-pandemic. And during that 2021 or during that 2020 season, you saw a very good Dominic Smith with a high OPS. He was hitting for power. He was getting on base. He was doing everything right. But he's kind of crumbled since then, having down years in 21 and as well as last year. So far this season with the Nationals, it's been up and down. Recently, it's been a little more up. But again, his value is on the defensive side of things. And you look at the other side of the corner infield, and then you're going to see J. Mayor Candelario. J. Mayor Candelario came over from the Tigers this past offseason. Myself, I was not happy about this signing. I did not like the J. Mayor Candelario signing because of what this really told us. We were in a rebuild. I wanted to see a younger guy. And J. Mayor is still in his 20s, in his late 20s, in fact. And I didn't really have much expectations for him because we heard that he's not a great defensive third baseman. He hasn't been great at the plate over the last few years. But so far this season, he's been one of the Nationals' best players so far. He's been a great defender over in that third base spot. He's a switch-handed bat. He's been really hitting the ball well, has a high OPS. The slugging is there. All these different things that I didn't expect has kind of come into fruition for J. Mayor Candelario, and he's been playing really well. But I think the guy that you guys have to watch out for is Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas is not really known that well across the league. But looking at his numbers, he's got an OPS over 800. He hits for average. His, his arm in the outfield, don't run on him. You're going to get thrown out. I promise you that. 
even if it's Bobby Witt Jr. or Billy Hamilton back in the day for you guys when he was there in Kansas City. Now, maybe he's not throwing out Billy Hamilton at home plate, but Lane Thomas, I'm telling you, is a difference maker. You're not going to want to pitch him, especially the way that he's been hitting so far in May. He's got seven home runs in May already, and he's not really a power bat. So that really power surge that he's having so far this season has kind of been something that we haven't seen before. He's 27 years old. We traded for him back at that 2021 deadline when we shipped off everyone. He was in return for John Lester. You don't know this. John Lester stunk for us. No one knew John. John Lester was at the back point of his career. And we get back this guy, Lane Thomas, who has been amazing for the Nationals so far in 2023. But now let's get into some predictions, Rylan, as obviously we both kind of need this series. I mean, we're both in tank mode right now. I guess we're in tank mode, but with the new MLB draft rules, it's all a little weird. The MLB draft is a complete mess, so it's not really tank mode, but we need these wins, Rylan. So we're going to get some predictions. But before we get into that, let's tell you guys about our friends over at Rocket Money. Have you discovered any subscriptions that you've forgotten about? But here's the thing. If you have done that, Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you that was otherwise tricky or time-consuming. Try it free for 30 days, just enough time to try it, and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. rocketmoney.com slash MLB. Now let's get back into it with Rylan Siles from Locked On Royals. I'm Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals. So tonight's matchup, obviously, it's not the matchup that the Nationals really wanted with Patrick Corbin on the mound, but he's been pitching a lot better as of recent. And you may not know this just because you don't watch the Nationals as much. The Nationals haven't been in the National Spotlight since 2019, or really since last trade deadline, I guess, with Juan Soto. But even then, we were terrible. Patrick Corbin has not been good. I'll just tell you that right now. This season, though, he has really just had a renaissance. He hasn't pitched like this since 2019. Over his last few starts, he's been the Nationals' best starting pitcher, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm not too sold on him in this complete renaissance. So seeing this young, rejuvenated Royals lineup, I'm a little nervous myself for game one. How do you feel about tonight's matchup? Yeah, I I don't feel great because Jordan Lyles is on the mound, and so with Jordan <laughs> with Jordan Lyles, like he's had some games where he pitches pretty well. He's also had way more games where he loses you the game in the first three innings. And so for a young lineup, this team has tended to get dejected by that. Like they've had a few comebacks. They had one in Anaheim that was really fun, uh, like the, like the second weekend of the third weekend of the year. But in general, this team has has kind of a, a tough habit, like all young teams pretty well do in every sport. Like if you get down early and get down big early where it feels like you're going to lose the game, they just kind of him haul around or kind of pack it in, so to say. And it's not really like packing it in in the sense of like giving up and they're not good professionals, but like more so like they start to press and give away at bats and like try to do too much instead of staying it within themselves. 
And so with Jordan Lyles on the mound, there's a chance that that that, that young Nats lineup in that home in front of that uh, in, in front of this team just goes out there and thrives in the first three innings, puts the game away, and the young Royals hitters can't retaliate. Now, if Jordan Lyles does compete and does you know kind of do his job and hold the Nats to like two or three runs uh, throughout the course of his five or six innings, then I'd feel pretty good about Kansas City on this Friday night and, and, and trying to trying to get back on track. So it's kind of a toss-up, but I would lean, I would lean towards the Nationals, especially as you say that uh, Corbin's been hot. Lyles has not been hot, and I just don't <laughs> feel confident in his ability at all. And the thing is, too, Lyles is going to be someone who has to eat innings, in my opinion, because you're looking at Sunday being a bullpen day. And so you can't you can't have a bullpen day on Sunday and then have a veteran pitcher and just kind of go save him after he gives up three runs in the third. He's going to have to just eat it. And so if he gets off to a bad start, he's going to have to work his way through it because you have the bullpen day coming up on Sunday most likely. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with this game. I would lean Nationals game one. You know what? And with Lyles being, and this was in my notes, he's got a ERA over seven, and he's 0-8 on the year. The Nationals have to get this. They just have to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They just, you have to get it. But obviously, that's not the only game being played this week. On Saturday, you guys got your guy Singer going. We got our ace, Josiah Gray. So far in the season, Singer has a 7-4-8 ERA, while Josiah Gray has a 2-6-5 ERA. Listen, I think this is just a perfect matchup for Josiah Gray. It's not to say that you guys don't have competent level hitting. I mean, you guys still have some really solid players on that roster, but I think Josiah Gray is a very tough matchup going up against Singer and the guys with Salvador Perez. I'm a little worried about him and his power because Josiah Gray in the past has given up home runs at a pretty consistent level. This year, he's kind of kept it down so far. He's kept the walks down. He's striking out guys. But at the end of the day, I still have that 2015 Salvador Perez in the back of my mind and what that guy can do on any given moment. So how do you feel about Saturday's contest? To me, Saturday is going to be one of the most important games of the month and of the season for Kansas City because we're getting, you know, it's still early in the year, but we're getting late in terms of like turning your season around. Like we're getting to the point where like this is just going to be your season of what you're having, of what you're doing, especially for pitchers who only pitch once out of every five days. And so for Brady Singer, Look, you're supposed to be the ace of this staff. You're supposed to be, okay, even if this whole rebuild was was a miss and all these pitchers that you drafted in the first round were all bad, at least you were playing really well you know, last year uh, from June 1st on. And we thought that that could kind of carry into this year. Here it is. You're at home. You're, you're in um, Kansas City at home against the Nationals who – you know, are a, a competitive and young and fun team, which we've all discussed in the first couple of segments. But it, they're not that intimidating contending for the World Series type mm -hmm. of team. You're at home. It's a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. And when you look at this, the Royals are three and seven in the last 10 games. Three and seven last 10. Going to lose on Friday, we can imagine, with, with Lyles on the mound. You just got to kind of predict that. This is what an ace does. They step up. They, they're the stopper. They give you what they have in this intense moment to try to get this team back on track ahead of a bullpen day. You need to go deep in this game. You, you need to you need to be well, you know, pitch very well in this game and have the offense pick you up whenever you, know, you might give up a run or two. But overall, Brady Singer has to bring it on, on, on Saturday, and it's against the Nationals' ace. And so, like, this, to me, is the stage where he has to perform. Absolutely agree with that. And obviously, Sunday, you guys have a bullpen game, it sounds like. We got Mackenzie Gore on the mound, our second-best pitcher in my mind. So, I, I, I don't want to be a jerk, Ryland, but it's fared out pretty well for the Nationals to take two of three at least. I'm still a little nervous about that Friday matchup, but at the end of the day, I think the Nationals – 
could be looking at a sweep, but I do. Here's what one thing I do want to see. Pasquantino, the Bigfoot suit. I want to see that. It, it, that comes out when he hits a home run, right? Yeah, yeah, I want to see the Sasquatch roaming around. Oh, my God. I want to see that so bad. I want to see that Sasquatch come out so badly. If he hits a walk-off home run, I hope that Sasquatch just runs onto the field. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big, big foot guy. So <laughs> I want to see that Sasquatch come out, hopefully at some point this series. That'd be really cool. I love that. I love the bits. And also, I love uh, Kauffman Stadium, too. I think a lot of people kind of sleep on that site there. But, again, guys, you can catch the series this weekend as the Nationals take on the Royals in Kansas City. Catch every pitch of the Nats and the Royals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals or Royals for that. So, Ryland, just to wrap up here, What's your final prediction? How many games do the Royals win, if any? I would I would set the over under at 0.5, and I would I would maybe take the over just because it's really hard to sweep in baseball. But it is. It, it's not it's not feeling good just because it feels like there's always an obstacle in the Royals' way. Like Saturday, I just painted you the, that picture, that Picasso of, of Brady Singer coming out here and, and and turning the season around. But he could very well turn the season around and only give up like a, a run or two. And then Josiah, Josiah Gray could also just shove, and then the Royals' offense can't produce, and they lose two to nothing. But Brady Singer pitched really well, so like mm-hmm. it just didn't set up where like Singer didn't go up against you know your fourth or fifth starter. You went up against your guy, you know Jordan Lyles didn't go up against a starter who you would, would predict will give up five or six runs. Goes up against a hot Corbin Burns. I, I'm sorry, Patrick Corbin. And mm-hmm. then Sunday, it's a bullpen day, and, and sure maybe the bullpen day throws off the Nats bats because they're a young team and and you just get the right combination of two innings here two innings there uh, of good baseball but in all likelihood that's not going to happen plus I really love McKenzie Gore I love I, I I would I would venture if you're in a smaller league where McKenzie Gore is not already rostered go stream him on Sunday because he's going to have a lot of that swing and miss stuff against Kansas City on Sunday and they're going to strike out a lot so I love McKenzie Gore so like the series was the worst possible setup in terms of pitching for Kansas City, in my opinion, to have them win this series. But I think that they can take maybe one game, uh, hopefully that Saturday game, to kind of make it look less messy than a sweep. But it's it's going to be tough. It really is. I, th- I think the Nationals will take two or three. And like you said, like I don't think we sweep this series just because it's so hard to do it in baseball. And obviously with that Sunday, that unknown, the bullpen games, like bullpen games scare me. Just because I, I don't really know too much about the Royals bullpen, but I think from what I've heard, it's not as bad as the starting rotation staff. So that kind of concerns me a little bit. So I think that Sunday game, Mackenzie Gore on the mound. Mackenzie Gore gets a really high pitch count. He walks a lot of batters. He really works the count, which can be good, but can also be very bad for a pitcher. And I just see him doing well for the first five innings. But at the end of the day, we see that he really has that pitch count skyrocket because of all the balls that he throws. So I think that Sunday matchup could be a really tricky one for the Nationals. But I do believe we win on Friday, and I do believe we win on Saturday with Josiah Gray on the mound. So again, guys, thank you for making Locked On Nationals and Locked On Royals your first listen. Ryland, do you have any last words here? I hope that this is a fun series. I really do. And and, and I hope that Washington can uh, get things turned around as can Kansas City. Same here. And as I'm Ryan Clary, he's Ryland Styles. We thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals and Locked On Royals your first listen. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. We'll see who wins this series. Go Nationals and go Royals for Ryland.